This is a content warning. We are having a conversation today about menopause. It is not suitable for children. Parental guidance is advised. What is menopause? How to make it easier? What your mother, doctor, and friends haven't shared about life after 35. Welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. I am your host, Jennifer Davis Page. My guest today is Dr. Ariana Scholes Douglas, and she can answer all of those questions. She's the owner of the Tula Wellness Center here in Tucson, Arizona. She has written an amazing book filled with information about menopause called The Menopause Myth. Welcome, Dr. Ariana, to the studio. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. We also have a, another guest with us today that we're, we're really happy to that she's here. Um, Zaza Simone Brown. She is with us today because she is suffering with menopause and, and everything that comes with with um the trials and tribulations of, of being a woman after 35 years old. And she wanted Dr. Ariana to be able to help her. So uh, for all the women out there that are listening, this is going to be really wonderful information for you. Welcome, Zaza, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, Dr. Ariana, tell us why you decided to write The Menopause Myth. I decided to write the book um, primarily because as the years went on and I realized that um, there were so many women um, coming into my office. I'm an OBGYN and um, specialize in seeing women uh, in their perimenopausal and menopausal years. And what I realized was that women were coming in, they were clueless about menopause um, when it started, what was going to happen, how long it lasted, what was okay to take. But what even um, disturbed me more was the fact that I was hearing a lot of stories of what their experiences were with other providers. So, for example, a provider might say, oh, you're too young. She might be 42. And that's like actually right in the middle of perimenopause. But even gynecologists would tell patients, you know, you're too young to be uh, perimenopausal. Or um, even more extreme, I've had women in their 60s um, who wanted to remain having relationships with their partners. And um, when they described some of the symptoms that they were having, the vaginal dryness, pain with intercourse, um, their providers would tell them, well, you know, it kind of is par for the course, so kind of suck it up and deal with it. So I was appalled, and I just felt very compelled to um, share the knowledge that I had, on top of the fact that I realized that I actually missed my own diagnosis um, in the first few years of perimenopause. And I, re I figured if, as a gynecologist, I didn't understand this, um, odds were that most women going through it probably didn't understand it. What uh, is the average age of a woman going through menopause? So the average age of a woman going through menopause is different than the average age of a menopausal woman. Okay. So menopause, by definition, is the end of your menstrual cycle for 12 months straight. So the average age that a woman becomes menopausal, meaning she has not had a period for 12 months, is 52. But the but that range can be anywhere from, you know, 42 um, to 52. There's a there's a wide range. So you could easily be menopausal by 45. But menopause isn't as much the issue or I mean, it is an issue, but 
the issue is typically what ha what precedes menopause, which is the perimenopausal years. So that is the period leading up to the menopause that can precede menopause by eight to 10 years. And it's heralded by fluctuations in hormones similar to what we went through during puberty. So just kind of imagine you're going through puberty um, once again in your 40s um, with the type of hormonal fluctuations that you're having. If a girl starts her period at 10 and then another girl starts her period at 13, when they get to become women and get through the get to the menopause, does the one that started at 10 go first or <laughs> does it work like that? I know people ask me that question and I don't think there's really any evidence that supports that. It kind of makes sense that if the earlier you start, the quicker you'll finish um, because we are um, we are all we get our eggs, you know, when we're born, we have a certain set. And then once we go through them, it's it's a it's a wrap. There's no more. <laughs> so um, it would make some sense. But there is a genetic predisposition. There's dietary issues. There's stress. There's there's all types of other factors that influence it. Theoretically, if you start earlier, you it makes sense. to Assume that. But it, it's really not that simple, unfortunately. So lifestyle, smoking, drinking, does that stress bad, bad uh, marriage. I mean, does any of that influence when it can start or not? Yes. So you can definitely experience um, more premature menopause, for example, um, theoretically uh, with heavy smoking. Um, but it's not so much when it occurs, but the symptoms, the worsening of the symptoms that you're going to have. So, um, for example, diet. Um, a lot of people don't really take into consideration their dietary changes that they need to make when they go through this phase. And so just by making that simple change, um, it's not that you're going to either prolong going through menopause or shorten it. It's just that your symptoms are going to be less. Hormone replacement. Can I, I never went on any kind of hormone replacement therapy at all, ever. Now, my question is, you know, when I was when I was going through it years and years ago, the thing was, if you took hormone replacement, you're going to get breast cancer. You're going all kinds of bad things were going to happen to you. So I just decided to roll the ball and not take anything. Did I make a mistake? No. I mean, if you got through it and you felt okay and you managed, then it, it was all good. But um, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of confusion about hormone replacement. So the pendulum pretty much keeps swinging. You know, um, about 15 years ago, we were giving estrogen out kind of like candy. Um, and, and people felt that it was going to be protective, uh, especially against uh, cardiovascular disease, stroke and, and dementia and things like this. And then there was a study that came out, the WHI study, and it really um, kind of literally freaked a lot of people out. So a lot of doctors just literally cold turkey took their patients off a of hormone replacement because the preliminary data in that study showed that there was increased risk of breast cancer, um, uh, increased risk of stroke and heart disease. But in the years that followed, they kind of re-examined that data and they realized if they kind of stratified those women 
into age groups um, that the women that were younger taking the hormone placement actually almost benefited, whereas when they started women, you know, at 65 and, and 70 on hormone replacement, those women didn't do well. Okay. And a lot of those women never had exposure. So the the issue is is complex around it, but at the end of the day, what we generally believe right now is that hormone replacement, estrogen and progesterone specifically, is generally safe for at least a five-year period um, within a 10-year period of menopause. So if you, for example, started having symptoms at 45 and you started taking hormone replacement, then right now it looks like, you know, you're fairly safe um, to take that at least for five years. And again, there are other factors that come into play, but that's really um that's the newest data right there. So at my age, there's nothing I need to be doing. I just need, just need to chill just and roll I'm with okay. it. Just, just roll, roll with it. With it. Okay. Uh, now, hormone replacement therapy. If you have a good diet, like you like you talk about in your book, if you have, can can that help you? If you're not taking hormone replacement therapy, can absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I've had patients. I mean, and and I get patients from all you know, um, perspectives in terms of what they want to do. So at the end of the day, um, my, my mantra is it's all about the quality of life. So, um, we're going to do whatever it is that's going to help you feel the best. And, you know, maybe there'll be some risk associated with that. And you have to decide for yourself if you're willing to take those risks. But the number one thing that I put every patient on is what's called the food elimination diet, which pretty much eliminates gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, corn, processed foods, and we take those things out. And I've had uh, the, a good portion of patients that just corrects enough of their symptoms that they don't need to do anything else. But the diet is a huge, huge part that people don't recognize. That's amazing. I didn't realize how important, you know, you, you, you grow up and you're just eating everything. And then when, when you start getting older, you realize that you just can't eat everything can't anymore. anymore. And it's, it was really amazing. I went on a, on a diet and it, I was just amazed at how changing the way that I ate um, helped me help my body heal. So um, I, I, I really understand that. Uh, Zaza, thank you so much for being here. I've asked some questions, and I know you're here to ask Dr. Ariana some questions. Why don't you start from the beginning? Where do you want to start with, with your questions with Dr. Ariana? Well, my first question is, what is, exactly is hormone replacement therapy? Okay, that's a fair question. So hormone replacement therapy is pretty much what the name um, indicates. Uh, we replace your hormones um, There's with, with estrogen. So estrogen is the primary hormone that we are replacing when we talk about it. But depending on whether or not you have a uterus or not or the uh, type of uh, situation, situation that's going on, if you're having bleeding, then we might also add progesterone. And progesterone pretty much counteracts some of the um, issues that come about with estrogen. So estrogen, think of it as kind of like um, the fertilizer. If you think of your uterine lining, it's what increases that lining. And so typically once we add progesterone, then the lining sheds. That's what we see every month if you're having a menstrual cycle. So the progesterone counteracts that. 
We can't give you estrogen by itself, typically if you have a uterus, because that'll increase your risk for endometrial cancer. So we add progesterone typically. And then there's testosterone. So the sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, they all work in concert. And as we age and these levels go down, we can replace them. So some women just take estrogen. Some women only take progesterone. Some women only take testosterone. Some women take all three. Okay. And so when you take all three, are there different methods that you would take them or would you take them all together? Another good question. So first of all, um, I want to back up and just describe the different types of hormones you can take. So um, I generally prescribe only what's called bioidentical hormones. And what that means, uh, those are hormones that are identical to the body that, that what your body makes. So estradiol is that main hormone as opposed to synthetic or what's called conjugated estrogen, which is generally derived from the urine of pregnant horse mares. So um, that is not the same estrogen that we make as humans. And if we take that, especially as a pill, then it has to be um, processed by the liver and there's just more things that need to happen. And it's just, it's not our hormone. So at the end of the day, um, I believe that there's more risk taking a hormone from a different animal than, um, than human. But that doesn't mean that bioidenticals are necessarily safer. There's still increased risk for the things that happen with estrogen. Um, you can take hormones in all kinds of different ways. So um, what probably people started out with was pills, um, but we don't generally recommend that as frequently now because we know that transdermal estrogen or the estrogen patches are the best way to really absorb your estrogen. When you do it that way, you bypass what's called the... the um, the process that the liver has to go through to basically break down that estrogen for the body. So that's, we do know that that's really the safest way that you can take your estrogen. But you can also take trochees. Those are like little almost wax type of pills that you put under your tongue. Um, you can do it through creams um, that you just rub on your, you know, arm or inner thigh or lower abdomen. Um, so we talked about patches, pills, creams, and then finally there's pellets. Um, so I actually have pellets in now. I kind of frowned on pellets for a long time, but that I had so many patients that loved them that I was like, let me just try these pellets out and see what it's about. And they're really nice for delivering testosterone, um, which is a whole nother conversation. But in any case, there are lots of ways that we can get our hormones and it really depends um, there's no specific way, but we need to see what's best for the patient and what's, you know, what, what she likes the most. Okay. So in 2015, I had a hysterectomy and after the hysterectomy, I did not have any sweating, any, any type of symptoms. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. This is a content warning. We are having a conversation today about menopause. It is not suitable for children. Parental guidance is advised. Welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. We were just in the throes of a very important question. Zaza, would you like to start again, please? Yes, ma'am. In 2015, 
I had a complete hysterectomy. I had no sweating or any of those things that I'm experiencing now. So in 2016, I started losing my hair. The hysterectomy was 2015, 2016, I started losing my hair. And then the sweating was so intense that I would have to shampoo my hair every day, which was really long. So thus the, the bald head now. Um, I started on a estradiol patch in 2018. And the patch had to be changed. It was a twice a week. So you wear it for three days and then you would change it for three days. For about three to four months, it worked. The first day I put it on, it worked immediately. No sweating at all. Four months down the line, it wouldn't stick to me. So I figured, well, maybe this is a bad pack. Let me open up another box and try again. Still would not stay. It would not stick. It would. I was so wet and moist all the time that the patch would not stay on me. Um, this is making me... Uh, the patch wouldn't stay on. I went back to the doctor to see what else we could try because the patch was not working. I started taking the black cohosh, the evening primrose, some magnesium, which is something else that the, was prescribed to me, and still was not getting any relief whatsoever. I sweat the bed like someone has poured water into my bed. I sleep with a beach towel underneath me. I sleep with a towel similar to this on my head, a hat, a blanket on top, a, a towel on top because I usually wet the sheet underneath the towel, the sheet on top of me, and even sometimes my husband's side of the bed. So by the time I get up in the morning, I have a pile of wet clothes on the side of the bed because I have to strip out of them and then put on something else because after I'm wet, I'm freezing cold. So I'm going from the intense heat to freezing cold where my teeth are chattering because I'm just that cold. So out of all of the things that I've tried, I've not had any relief in months, no sleep, because all night I'm tossing and trying to get dry. Showering two, three times a day. I have to change my clothes before I leave out the house. Um, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> That's why I'm here, because I feel like I'm at a point where my personality has changed. Yeah. Um, my profession is being affected, because by the time I get dressed and I'm on my way out the door, I have to change again. Um, I'm embarrassed when I'm out and I'm soaking wet or if I'm sitting there and it's pouring off of me and I have people watching me. Right. So it's really affecting my lifestyle altogether. And I'm just wondering, is there something natural that I can do or would I have to go with hormones or would I be able to do something that's not going to be uh, hormonal? Um and that's not going to be an antidepressant mm -hmm. because at this point I've been prescribed an antidepressant because nothing else is working. 
the antidepressant, the paroxetine, isn't working either? I just started this three days ago. Okay. Um, it hasn't worked thus far. Okay. So first of all, Zaza, I'm really, as I'm listening to you, I'm touched and thank you for sharing because your story is is very compelling and it, it saddens me. Um, and it's actually not the typical story that I hear, but it's still a very important story because you are seeming to be very resistant to, you know, the typical therapies, uh, usually estrogen patch will kind of do the trick for uh, what we call the vasomotor symptoms of menopause. And by the way, how old are you? 53. 53. Okay. So um, first and foremost, um, there's a lot to kind of dissect here, and I won't obviously be able to completely figure this uh, out. But what I do see here, and she's, um, Zaza actually has brought all of her medications. I'm looking at them, and I'm frankly, I'm in takes a lot to impress me. I'm impressed with what she's taking and the fact that it's really not giving you a lot of relief. The estradiol patches, you're on the highest dose, actually, there is of estradiol patch. Um, but what I'd be very curious to look at for you at this point is what your hormone levels are. So has your doctor actually looked at hormone levels to see, you know, are you actually absorbing the estrogen that you're taking? Have they looked at, um, have you ever taken progesterone or testosterone? Because there's, there's really is a concert of all of these hormones. And so typically we think of estrogen being the main thing that we need to take. But for example, a lot of women, given their symptoms, they actually need to take progesterone, a natural progesterone, not a synthetic progestin because of the difficulty with sleep. So um, again, we won't probably be able to dig through all of this, but at the end of the day, I guess that would be my first question is, what if anything has been done to evaluate how well you're even metabolizing the hormones that you're on? So I am a veteran and I have all of my treatment through the VA healthcare system and they have a problem with switching providers quite frequently and um, quite frankly, having someone to really keep up with this. So the physician who performed my hysterectomy and started me on the estradiol and this cream also mm -hmm. retired Okay, a few months after I started this patch. So I've not had anyone to evaluate anything since I started the patch. The only thing they did was to send me elsewhere and um, give me another prescription. So there's nothing, I have no idea what my estrogen levels right. are. So I guess the first thing that I would want to do is literally do a full panel because um, not only would I want to look at your estrogen levels, but I want to look at your progesterone levels, your testosterone levels. I also want to look at, um, because this, the sweating that you're describing really is, it's excessive even for menopause. So there could even be some other underlying medical problems that are causing that. Um, sometimes um, the adrenal glands can have a kind of an overactivity that can increase um, things that would cause you to sweat. So um, I think you know, we are presuming that all of this is menopause, but there actually could be some other underlying medical thing going on. Um, and I want to address the fact that 
And when you mentioned the antidepressants, and one of the concerns, and you asked why I wrote the book, is that oftentimes, you know, um, providers will um, prescribe antidepressants to women, especially going through the perimenopausal period, because the symptoms, which can be depression, irritability, difficulty with sleep, um, they, instead of really dealing with the root cause of the problem, um, they give you a pill. Um, I've heard this I can't even count how many times that women have been prescribed antidepressants and or sleeping pills. Uh, I had one patient, she was put on an antidepressant, an anxiety pill, and a sleeping pill by her psychiatrist. And then she finally came to me um, and I basically eventually started her on hormone replacement and her symptoms really went away within a month or two and we were able to wean her off of that. She had, she was a very high functioning engineer. Um, she had never had a history of anxiety or depression, but her menopausal symptoms hit her hard and strong. And so first her internist had no idea what to do with her, um, which again, just blows my mind that, you know, in 2019, that we have our, you know, the main doctor that we may see, the only doctor we may see, really has no clue on how to treat what is a very typical and um, obvious signs and symptoms of menopause. So he sent her to a psychiatrist, um, and who, again, had at least enough sense to say, okay, well, maybe this is menopausal. And eventually, we were able, like I said, to wean her down. But, um, Honestly, I my first thing is that you need a new doctor. You need somebody who's really going to dig deep, look at your hormone levels. And hormone levels, um, a lot of patients come in and they say, oh, check my hormones. I want to see if I'm in menopause. And it's like, no, it doesn't really work that way um, because it is also um, the fluctuations that occur. And so when we do lap work, um, your levels might look totally normal one day, but in, you know, a week later we check them and they look totally different. So really what we use are symptoms first. And then I use the lab work to kind of just support and make sure that I'm not missing some other things. So we don't just look at hormones. We look at your liver function, kidney function. Um, so there's a lot of things. There's a lot of questions that I have just based on what you're describing. Um, but the typical person, the typical woman that has your symptoms would generally respond with the estrogen patch and um, the antidepressant is actually um, some of them, the SSRIs in particular, are helpful for the hot flashes that women get at night. And so sometimes, and I understand why we would put some women on that one, or there's another one for nerve pain, it's called gabapentin, and it's also very helpful for women to sleep at night, um, because, especially women who can't take estrogen. So some women are suffering just like you are, maybe not as much, but they still need some relief and they can't take estrogen at all. So those are the types of drugs that we might give them, the antidepressants and the, and the gabapentin type medication. I've gotten some of them. The rushes are so intense where they actually have me vomit. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to lay on the floor on a cool spot just to get my body to stop yeah what i feel like it might start to convulse yeah because i'm just so cold and and everything so this is not ordinary this is not ordinary mm, no uh, not that is not typical no she um, said i have a severe uh the physician said i have a severe case of it because all of those things 
normally would respond. They like would generally said. respond. But I still think there's some more inquiry that, that needs to happen. And, um, yeah, I would say, I mean, take your symptoms and divide them by 10. And that's probably what the average woman might experience. You definitely, um, when, um, Jennifer, you said, oh, there's a woman, she's suffering from menopause. I'm like, okay, this, that's straightforward. That's easy. But you definitely have a unique case. Um, and I would say, uh, it's really important. I mean, the relationship you have with your healthcare provider is is paramount. Paramount, and um, someone who really can sit down, take the time, and really walk through this. And that's unfortunate with our current healthcare system that there's just not a lot of time to really spend um, with uh, patients the way we need to, especially with the type of symptoms that you're having. Uh, are, can I recommend that she visit you at, at the Tula uh, Tula Wellness? Yeah, Center? absolutely. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I love a I love a puzzle, but it's um definitely that's a challenge. Um, but I think there's something else going on there actually. I think and um I think and that's just it's it's sometimes there's just a cocktail that we have to figure out. So even women with less severe um, symptoms, you know, we start a little bit of estrogen that doesn't work so well. We need to add a little less testosterone or more testosterone. So it's a it's hormones can be kind of complex, and everybody isn't as um, experienced in them. This is the end of part one of this very important conversation. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.